Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to issue a trigger warning. This podcast contains discussions about sensitive topics that may be distressing to some listeners. These topics include cancer, surgery complications, and near-death experience. We understand and respect that these subjects may be emotionally challenging for some individuals, so please prioritize your well-being and feel free to pause or skip this episode if you feel it may affect you negatively. If you or someone you know needs support or resources for any of the discussed topics, please reach out to a mental health professional, your GP, or visit the show notes to access some of the support resources we've identified. Your well-being is important to us, you're not alone, and we appreciate your understanding as we navigate these sensitive topics. Now, let's begin the episode. Listener discretion is advised. Igniting original concepts. You felt like you were really making a difference for Why wouldn't you do that? The biggest challenge you have is not to... You're going to have disruptions all the time. If you want something different, you have to be willing to do something different. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. Remember that sinking feeling in your stomach when the news that countries, one after another, were going into lockdowns, that businesses would be forced to shut down for an undetermined amount of time? For many, and probably nearly all business owners, truthfully, it felt like the ground was being pulled from under our feet and we were free-falling into the unknown. I remember growing up, a sports coach of mine told me, I'll never judge somebody's reaction to a hardship they're facing. Even if the hardship itself feels like something I'd overcome without much challenge, we all come from different walks of life, lived through different experiences. For someone who's been fortunate enough to not live through too much trauma, losing a pet for the first time, for instance, might feel like the hardest thing to navigate. Judging does nothing to help overcome it. Support does. What we deem our hardest challenge to overcome at any one time might not always be the hardest for someone else. But keeping in mind that we all have different skill sets, coping mechanisms, trauma, and something that's not unimportant, access to resources and support systems, for one salon owner, losing their business to a natural disaster might be the hardest thing they've had to encounter or face in their entrepreneurial journey. For another, dealing with a toxic culture or staying afloat after a walkout of half the team or more might have been the biggest adversity they've faced in recent times. Adversity comes in all shapes and forms. Financial hardship, loss of a loved one, educational obstacles, discrimination and prejudice, natural disasters, mental health struggles, relationship strain, personal trauma, career setbacks, the list goes on. Adversity doesn't discriminate. Not to mention health challenges. Dealing with a serious illness or chronic health condition and the physical and emotional struggles that comes with that, as well as navigating complex healthcare systems, it's not easy. It's important to have a conversation around resilience no matter what's going on. You know, there's always going to be situations that occur that are outside of our control. One of my friends uh, who had beaten cancer, she told me some of the best advice I've ever gotten. She's, and, and I think this is relevant anywhere in life. She's like, whatever you're feeling, allow yourself to feel it. Don't stay stuck in it. And I think the first thing we have to do is we have to remind ourselves, who are, who are we for people? 
I believe that when things are tough economically and challenging out there, that we have to remind people that we are the safest harbor in the storm for them. That should be the messaging. I believe that it's uh, it's incumbent upon us to remember we're not here to make purchasing decisions, buying choices for our customers. That's on them. Our commitment, not our job, to me, our commitment must be to give people the optimum experience we possibly can. On the show with me today is a friend and seasoned professional whose experience as a business coach and trainer spans over 30 years. Steve Gomez has coached over 600 clinics, spas, and salons to accelerate growth and profits, delivered over 900 trainings and seminars in the United States and internationally. He annually served as a judge on the North American Hairstyling Awards, NAHA, Salon MBA category, has written financial fitness, systems to increase profitability in your salon or spa, and interdependent leadership, creating a salon culture of inclusive growth, and has plenty of other projects on the way. In a slightly different delivery than your weekly Forest FM episode, Steve will be taking us on his personal journey of overcoming pancreatic cancer, underscoring the role of psychological resilience, social support, and adaptive coping strategies amidst adversity. This episode dives into the essence of shifting mindsets, acknowledging our feelings, and the power of resilience in overcoming not only business obstacles, but personal battles too. Now, for most of the latter part of 2022 and early 2023, we've been warned about a recession, a big, scary one. We've seen some banks in the U.S. fail this year, and despite that, according to the traditional definition of a recession, we're still not in one. Does that mean we're in the clear? Not necessarily. But I think when we hear the word recession, our minds and bodies go into fight, flight, freeze in reaction to past experiences and trauma, and we become very protective, careful. Our natural, very human reflex is to try to make sense of the situation and find common ground in our experiences. And although recession and battling cancer might seem completely unrelated and not even on the same playing level field, The lessons learned from overcoming a major health hardship like cancer can most certainly apply to resiliency in business hardships. So Steve, first off, welcome back to Forest FM. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for being willing to talk about this. Now that you've had some time to process everything you've been through health-wise recently and reflect on the impact it's all had on your life, I'd love to hold space for you to share your journey. and I know you've been quite private with this, so you know I want you to feel comfortable to share as little or as much as you feel is relevant to this conversation. And I'd love for, I'd love to give you the lead essentially and go about this in any way that feels most appropriate for you. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me, Zoe. I think we were talking earlier. This is, a, I think, our fourth time together. So yeah. thank you, Forrest, and thank you, Zoe, for believing in me and having me here. Uh, you know how much I love you guys and 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 what. The forest uh, team is continuing doing to innovate for our industry in so many different ways, and this being one of them. Um, but you know, I I'm excited to have this conversation today because being resilient uh, in the face of no agreement is uh, part and parcel of being a human and going through life. Um, things are um, not always going to go our way, and anybody can say that they value something, but it's when shit hits the fan mm-hmm. that your character is challenged and who are you going to be? Are you going to be your situation or are you going to be what you value? And I think if we dial all the way back to COVID, I mean, on scale, uh, humanity, none of us were prepared for what we had to face, even though, you know, uh, all of the patterns in history was there for us to go look at. 
but I believe because we've become so advanced uh, in, in so many different ways as humankind, uh, technologically, uh, scientifically, mm-hmm. medically, I think um, we arrogantly believed we'd never have to face something like this that we all had to go through. And I think it was such a humbling experience for all of us in so many different ways. And I think all of us are suffering from some measure of PTSD from having gone through COVID from the, from the, from the physical isolation that we all had to endure and and the lack of human interaction to just the anxiety of what's going to happen uh, to ourselves financially because of what was occurring and, and, you know, what will happen in, you know, the business sector because of what we had to go through. So there was a lot of uh, triaging and navigating and a lot of work that we all had to do to get through to the other side of that, which, you know, I believe if you look at it, we have emerged uh, and um, weathered that storm and we've all gained wisdom and life experience from it. Uh, You know, so then we navigate from there and we pivot into, you know, what was predictable. A lot of, uh, uh, financial analysts and experts were predicting that we would go through a boom curve of getting back at it, and yeah. and that will be followed by uh, the natural progression into a recession. Now, um, while all of the determinants are saying we're not really in one, we're kind of skirting around one. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the year, like late in, late in last year, into earlier into this year, it was such a predominant conversation, and I think yeah. it's important to continue to look at it and engage it. And, you know, when we talked in the late spring together about recording this, I think uh, uh, it's important to have a conversation around resilience, no matter what's going on. You know, there's always going to be situations that occur that are outside of our control. You know, we Mm -hmm. can't control banks closing. We can't control what happens in the financial markets. We can't control a pandemic that transforms uh, humanity. We can't control uh, some type of other pandemic that might take out and wipe out crops or, uh, uh, or, or anything else that affects our way of lives. These things are going to continue to happen. We have no control over any of it. All we have control over is who we're going to be and what we're going to do in that mm-hmm. order, who we're going to choose to be to face something followed by what we're going to do. And I think typically it's the reverse. We focus on what should we do? What should we do? you know, run out to the grocery store and buy as much paper towels and buy as much rolls of toilet paper as we can. A great example, a month ago, uh, we had a hurricane out here in California. Right. You know, we had the tropical storm come and, you know, and all of that occur. And Californians weren't used to it. It was the first time in like 80 years it happened. And what was happening, we were back in COVID days for a little bit. Everybody was at the stores, at Costco, grabbing as much toilet paper and water as they can, thinking that it was going to be crazy. Now, to a certain extent, sure, be prepared and plan. But the anxiety turning to kind of hysteria type of energy, you know, uh, that's just, uh, there's nothing wrong with it because we are a reactive species and we are emotionally driven. Mm-hmm. I think what's critical is to be grounded in consciousness and be, be aware of, okay, there's outside stimuli coming at me. How am I relating to it? Yeah. You know, and am I pivoting based on it? And how am I pivoting? Am I being reactive Uh, Or am I stopping and uh, assessing and looking at the bigger picture and being proactive in my response to things? You know, during COVID, Zoe, I had to walk 78 salons and spas through closing their doors forever. It was shitty. It was a horrible experience to have had navigated. Typically in my line of work as a business coach, I do it once a quarter, 
three, four times a year tops where I have to be in those liquidation conversations. I'm kind of known to help in those types of things. And uh, it's never fun. But to have done it 78 times uh, was was really, really challenging for me psychologically. Yeah. Uh, it took a lot out of me. Um, and it was it was really sad to have gone through that. And I, you know, I had to muster all of my empathy and all of my courage and be grounded in values and and support those people to navigate and remind them that, you know, they're not bad or wrong and that they will rebuild and recreate what's next for themselves. And most of them have gone on to do that, thankfully. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, when you're in those types of conversations where it's just so real and there's so much devastation going on, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, it's, it definitely takes its, its toll. And I think if there's anything that I wanted to bring to this conversation today was, you know, what's the, what's important is uh, practices that can support us to be grounded amidst anything that we go through, you know? So we go through all of that and, you know, uh, I've been uh, preaching to everybody that uh, economic downturn, recession or not, your business is never in recess. And your business always needs your attention. Your business is, it, it, it needs you to focus. Yeah. And you can either focus on a recession or in, you know, and, you know, maybe there's not a, on scale recession that we thought it was going to be, thankfully, but it doesn't mean that in certain communities uh, around the world, or you know, especially here in North America, that there's certain communities and cities and areas that are more economically depressed than others. Uh, you know, so even if things are booming in your neck of the woods, doesn't mean it's booming in somebody else's neck of the woods per se. Yeah, and also things are cyclical, right? Especially re recessions, like there is like a, that that nature to it. Correct. So like even if it's not happening now, yes. that doesn't mean you're in the clear forever. It's bound to happen. Correct. It is bound to happen, you know? So it's, it's really important, I think, to uh, notice where you and or people that you work with, where they're fixated. You know, are we blaming things uh, for not working because of outside circumstance? Or are we rolling our sleeves up and digging in and remembering that we actually have solutions no matter what the circumstance and no matter what the playing field. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, to me, uh, you know, you, we've always heard, well, you know, salon industry is recession proof. To a certain extent, yes, people always need their haircuts. But when people start to tighten their belts, it's other higher end treatments that start to fall off in percentage of volume. Mm -hmm. Now, I actively coach 23 salons, spas and clinics a month right now across North America. And I see higher end treatment percentage of sales volume has dipped this year by comparison to last. So that's, to me, a direct impact of the psychology out there uh, of consumers, you know, looking to scale back and and withhold and to conserve. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing lower volume of balayage treatment and color uh, on the skincare side. We're definitely seeing higher end treatments, enzyme treatments and things like that, which are uh, more higher ticket. We're seeing less volume there. So it is critical that a business pivots. And I think the first thing we have to do is we have to remind ourselves, who are, who are we for people? 
I believe that when things are tough economically and challenging out there, that we have to remind people that we are the safest harbor in the storm for them. We are the place for people to come and let go. Mm-hmm. We are the place for people to come and get out of their head and get out of their life for 30, 45 minutes to a couple of hours and release that energy and do something that is healthy and therapeutic soulfully and, and spiritually and uh, physically for ourselves. So I believe that every business out there should be pivoting and, and, and that should be the messaging. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you're not going to go on that 1500 to $2,000 extravagant 10 day European trip you wanted to go on. Uh, but it doesn't mean you can't come and spend a couple hundred dollars for two, three hours over here and get release and, and, and get some restoration. And that's what we are as an industry. And that's where our industry should be pivoting all of our languaging, all of our marketing, everything we should be doing right now, in my opinion, should be geared towards come into the safest place with people that you trust and love so that you can feel great, look even better and strengthen yourself to continue to navigate what life has been throwing at us. Yeah. And I'm, I think that has to be the message that we as an industry are putting out there. Uh, I certainly am as a coach in every training I do, every session like this I do, every coaching session I do, I'm reminding people of, are we being sucked into what's occurring around us or are we being a foment uh, of, of change? Are we out on the uh, are we out on the tip of the spear leading that that charge? Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's what our industry um, is and, and, and provides, and we should lean into that and remember that. If we are going to embody that, we then need to get the team involved and say, how do we then execute it? Because it's one thing to say it and create languaging and imagery that evokes that experience in a consumer's mind. It's another to make sure that we're executing it from a thought point of view, from a being point of view, and from a systematic, uh, from a systematic approach as well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say, you know, like we need to to be that like anchor, I guess, for for our clients, right? Because going back to COVID days, right? Like when the hysteria simmered down a bit, I guess. That's the messaging that we fell back onto, you know, and and despite the salons being closed for however long, however long, depending on what regions, you know, they were in, that sentiment of like, we're still here and we're still going to care for you and make you feel good and like look great at home. We're going to like, you know, find all these like creative outside the box solutions to to help you get through these however long periods of lockdowns and stuff like that's exactly what we fell back onto and that's why there was such a huge boom coming back you know when everything reopened correct um but when it comes to like recession talks i guess like what are you hearing uh, like this year specifically i guess like what are you hearing most often from clients you've been working with like what are the beliefs that they have and how do you feel like those beliefs put a strain on their growth or like their, their ability to move forward? Um, customers aren't wanting to come in as much. Customers aren't wanting to spend as much money. That's the prevailing thought process, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and when, you're, when, you're, when you look at your life from those thought processes, that's the, like, if that's the lens, if those are the glasses you're putting on, then you're only going to see so much opportunity. And you're literally putting barriers in front of yourself of seeing what's possible. And to me, uh, you know, we're, I believe that it's, uh, it's incumbent upon us to remember we're not here to make 
purchasing decisions, buying choices for our customers. That's on them. Our commitment, not our job, to me, our commitment must be to give people the optimum experience we possibly can. And to give the optimum experience we possibly can means that we need to remember that it's the treatments, services, and at-home care prescriptives products that we offer that is going to give people the optimum. So if I'm, as an expert, looking at mm -hmm. your hair, skin, whatever I'm looking at based on the technique I'm there to do, I must educate you and make recommendations to you, and it's your job to choose. And I should not be attached to whatever you choose because that's your right. And I think we there is so much insecurity and pattern ways of thinking show up in this that we then disempower ourselves. We think, oh, well, people are, you know, are tightening their belts. They're not going to want to spend this. And sometimes that's not, we're not even hearing that from customers. We just tend to think that's occurring because we're covering up our own financial challenges that we're going through because we wouldn't spend the money and we're tightening. We're so projecting. We think, yeah, we project it on everybody else and we think they are too. And then we're literally not making recommendations. So then you come in and I see something that would be utterly relevant for you, but I don't make the recommendation because I believe that you're going to say you don't want to afford it. Even though you drove up in a Lexus or Mercedes and you have a Louis Vuitton purse, handbag on your on your arm, you're just not going to want to spend that money. It's what we do as an industry. And, you know, I'll always shout at the rooftops, reminding people, own your power, stand in your shit. You're amazing at what you do. And it's mm -hmm. our job as a professional and as an expert to make relevant recommendations. Relevant. Yeah. It's not relevant. Don't recommend it. But if it is relevant and it's going to serve somebody's look, image, and most importantly, health and well-being, make the recommendation and stand behind what you charge and let them choose and don't be attached. They're going to say yes or no, whatever. That's their choice. Move on. You know, if they say no, move on. You made your recommendation. You have your integrity. You can put your head on the pillow at night. Who, you know, and that's who, who we must be. We must, con the, your clients, the health of their hair and their skin could care less about a recession. Mm -hmm. That skin is saying, help me, help me, <laughs> serve me. That hair is saying, by God, please, right? Yeah. Help me. You know, and, and it kind of echoes what I went through last year, you know. So, you know, we go through COVID, we navigate that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in uh, New York. We were at the first IBS show again as that reopened. It was great to be back there. Yeah. We're leaving New York, um, packing in the hotel room. I grab something that I put up in the cupboard. I feel strain in my abdomen. And uh, immediately I told my wife, Nancy, I was like, Nancy, Nance, this is uh, not a strain. I didn't pull a muscle. I think this is a hernia because oh, wow. I had had hernia surgery mm -hmm. before. So we fly all the way home to Cali. We land at LAX and I call the local 24 hour hotline with our healthcare provider and I get a doctor on the phone who's on call. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. Why don't you just fast from midnight on and then go into the, you know, go into the, the urgent care and get a scan tomorrow morning and look at it. So I went and sure enough, I had an umbilical hernia. Uh, he said, okay, so you have a hernia. It's too small for us to have to do anything about it. You don't need surgery for it yet. Just be mindful. Yeah. But I do see this mass on your pancreas and you should go get that looked at. We want to get you an MRI. So a week later I get the MRI. Uh, and then 
the MRI results usually come in within 10 days, but they had a mistake and took them 24 days to get my result. Hmm. And I had to make phone calls and emails and finally start being very positional, like, what are my results? So I get a phone call from a surgeon and she's like, um, unfortunately, we want you to get an ultrasound. Uh, so that was scheduled for the following week. So I go to get this ultrasound and um, I have a fib. Um, although I just had a procedure done and no longer have it for the first time in 25 years, I showed up that day in an irregular heartbeat. So they couldn't put me under the anesthesia 100%. They mm. gave me 80%. And they said, don't worry, Steve, there's 1% chance you're going to wake up. Well, I hit the 1%. And I woke up with this thing all the way down my throat, pinching a hole through my stomach into the pancreas. And then they yanked it out of me and I felt all of it. And it was like an alien freaking abduction. I could still feel it right now. It was so crazy. <laughs> and at the time, I, I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I was like, you know, I, I had such, such humility and uh, respect for anybody that goes through any type of cancer battle. Yeah. So, Five days later, I got the call and I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I had, there's two types and mine was neuroendocrine. Uh, it was the type that Aretha Franklin and Steve Jobs had. And luckily it was the slower of the two. It was more indolent and lazy uh, and was very, um, uh, it, it was still stage one bordering on stage two. And it was at the tail of my pancreas, right. which was the best place for it to be. So for having cancer and having that type, which is, which is one of the worst types you could ever be diagnosed with because it was early and where it was, the doctors believed that there was a good opportunity that they were going to be able to get it out of me and everything was going to be okay. So I met with, uh, I got consulted to the head surgeon, uh, and then, you know, she's like, all right, well, we're going to do what's called a distal pancreatectomy and we're going to, you know, cut out about 33% of your pancreas. You're probably going to lose your spleen, right. uh, and then, then we'll do the biopsy and the final final uh, pathology, and to make sure that we get everything. So, my cardiologist, because of my irregular heartbeats, he's like, "All right, Steve. So, to strengthen your heart before the surgery, we're going to put you under and zap you with 200 volts to the heart." Not only am I being diagnosed with cancer and one of the worst to have, you know, um, yeah. and that was a really shitty day my life. You know, there was four times I cried like a baby during that journey. Mm -hmm. And that, that day, you know, I cried like a baby who wants to be told they have cancer, right? Yeah, no one, no one. Uh, but I woke up the next morning and, uh, you know, and I was very resolved that I was going to beat the shit out of this and that this was the opportunity for me to live into my values and to stand in who I am and to be that. Uh, and that's the choice that I made. And I also decided who around me am I going to put in my circle mm -hmm. um, that I can count on and lean into when needed. Um, the direct people emotionally in my life, my direct family and wife, everybody, everybody's freaking out. Everybody was in all their feelings. So who I leaned into was uh, four of my friends uh, in and outside the industry that had beaten cancer or were dealing with cancer. Uh, and I'm thankful that I did because I think when you're, when you're cellularly going through it, you, you know, talking to somebody who gets it is very important. Yeah. Um, and in, in anything is very important. And, and, and that's, uh, who I leaned on and, and, um, 
uh, it was also daily practices that were critical for me. Um, I would wake up, I would read something uh, to ground me spiritually and get me in a positive mindset. I would meditate, uh, exercise, and then I would call one of those four friends and just talk for a minute. And one of my friends uh, who had beaten cancer, she told me some of the best advice I've ever gotten. She's, and, and I think this is relevant anywhere in life. She's like, whatever you're feeling, allow yourself to feel it. Mm-hmm. Just don't stay stuck in it. Yeah. And it was just so great to get that advice. Yeah. You know, just don't stay, like, feel it, allow it, don't suppress it, you know, but just don't stay stuck in it. Like, you know, yeah. choose to ascend out of and continue to propel yourself forward. You know, so there I was, June 1st, zap. And then June 15th was going to be my surgery. And then four days before that, I get COVID. So uh, there's uh, me being shut down for six weeks. Now, I had moved all of my clients, all of my business, everything out of the way. I was ready to go. Um, I'm focused and I get COVID. So I get shut down for six weeks. Uh, Surgery is not going to be until the end of July now. And so I had to move everything around again. I had uh, some really big keynote speaking engagements in August that we thought I was going to be through my my recovery and be able to be at. So all that's gone. Uh, We were going to do a trip to Scotland as a family in September. I mean, just everything like, you know, life, right? Yeah. How's your mental state then? Because like you said, like the, the, the day you got your diagnosis, you were crying. That like, was day you know. two. That was the second day that I cried out of utter frustration for like, mm-hmm. you know, that was the why, why me moment, right? Like, why is this shit going on in my world? Like really being yeah. tested and challenged. Yeah. Um, but I appreciated that they did because one thing I did learn medically was that, you know, there's a point. 10, zero and a 1% chance of dying under anesthesia. But when you have COVID, they were, they found that it went from point ten zeros and a one to 1.8%. And that in the medical world is quantum. That's a quantum. Mm-hmm. So they shut people down for six weeks to make sure that you just ru- it runs its course. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. I don't want to have any breathing issues when I'm under anesthesia, especially with an irregular heart, yeah. you know, that I'm dealing with. So, I got shut down and then, uh, so there we went back again uh, to get the paddles, zapped again. So I got to get zapped a second time, um, four days before the surgery. And, um, you know, they let Nancy be in the room for that. And I don't know why they did that because she got traumatized by seeing my body jump and all that shit. Uh, But then I go to have the surgery and um, uh, it's supposed to be a four hour surgery. Uh, and it was a six hour surgery because I died on the operating table right at the beginning when they made the incision and lifted the skin to get at the organs. So they had to paddle me back and then monitor me by policy to make sure I was fine. And then they started again and luckily it worked. If not, they were going to have to cut down the center, open the ribs and get like the old fashioned way. I probably wouldn't be here right now. I'd still probably be recovering from that. Um, and, but the good news was I was able to keep the spleen. They did take 33% of the uh, pancreas out. And then uh, they they told me, they're like, you know, look, at least by the morning after, you should try to get yourself up. Uh, by 11 o'clock that night, I was standing and I walked the ward. I was utterly committed because they said the more you're up and moving, as painful as it's going to be, the, you'll get out of here faster. And that week mm-hmm. I spent in the hospital, in the unit I was in, was... Uh, super challenging. 
not only because of what I was going through, but all of my roommates and what they were going through uh, yeah. was. Ve- I'm not going to get into details about how traumatic it was to you know it, but it was. But the two that were coherent um, enough to like when I walked by to make my rounds, and they were going through things a lot worse than me. But every time I got up and walked to go out and do the rounds, they would just give me a thumbs up. And we had this unspoken like language that we were rooting mm. for each other uh, that I'll never forget. Um, and that was the third time I cried when they said, okay, why are you still here? We're releasing you. And I called Nancy to come pick me up and I hung up with her and I just laid there for about a half hour and it just knowing I was going home it just all came out of me. Um, and then I got home and I had this JP drain sticking out the side of my stomach. Had a yeah. foot and a half inside of me and a foot and a half out. Weirdest freaking thing. Oh, I, yep, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, really fun showering, uh, you know, and, and just all kinds of weird, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. and then the following Tuesday, my, uh, my surgeon called me and said that I was cancer-free, and that was the fourth time that I lost my shit. And uh, fell to my knees and, and just thankful uh, that we got it out of me. They said it was borderline getting ready to leave the pancreas and travel to other ports of call. And thank God we didn't. And, you know, a year later, I just had all of my, um, blood work about a month ago and everything checked again and the scans. And I got to do that every year for 10 years and I am still free of everything and just had my glucose results checked, uh, and got the results yesterday. And I'm not diabetic because the enzymes, the pancreas produces enzymes that allow you to digest. And with only 67% of it operating right now, there's a chance I could become diabetic because of the glucose levels. So I'm not, which is good. I've, uh, fantastic news. Yeah. I'm really happy with all of it. I mean, we've really focused on our health and well-being. I've dropped 20 pounds. I'm eating better and working out and exercising a lot. Uh, you know, and just, you know, that's been a, a positive byproduct of this and really look to shift mm-hmm. how I'm living my life and what I'm doing, what I'm saying yes or no to. But, you know, throughout the whole experience, I told myself I was going to show up and I didn't make it public news. I told, you know, obviously people in my immediate circle, my family, some really core friends that I mentioned. I did yeah. let every client that I coach know, you know, because they were going to have to pivot with me and they did. I'd, I'd be called in out of the blue to go in and you know, we need to see you tomorrow for a blood test. I mean, I've never been more pinched, poked and prodded at any point in my life. It, you know, it was crazy, but I had to pivot and they had to pivot with me and all of them were amazing. Uh, my manufacturer and distributor partners were amazing. So there were people that knew, but I'm not the type that's going to go out on social media with a picture of me uh, in you know, while I'm going through something, you know, I just don't, it's not how I choose to operate. But at any rate, um, I told myself that no matter who I engage, they were going to get a hundred percent of me. Uh, and that was every client. And that was, um, every person I, I chose to interact with. And for every procedure I had from the prep nurse through the surgeons, uh, and the nurse team inside the room. And I had five procedures last year, you know, Mm -hmm. and the main one, you know, I had four surgeons and 13 people in the room, but for every single one of them, I, I would not let them start until I did something. And my surgeon, when she pulled the JP drain out, she's like, do you remember what you did the morning of your surgery, Steve? I said, what do you mean when we were in the room? And I said, she said, yeah, I said, yeah, I, I remember. I said, I fist pumped all of you guys, each of you. I looked you guys in the eye and I said, I got me, you got you, let's do this. 
She's like, you remember that? I said, yeah. She's like, we just thought it was the prep drugs drugs we gave you before. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I was like, I, I had a role to play and my role to play was to set the energy and what could I control? I could redirect my anxiety and I could, I could get out of me out there into your life. And Hey, you're an expert and you're there to save my life. And I don't know what's going on in your world. You're human. Who knows what you're dealing with? But if I fist pump you and look you in the eye, I'm getting you present and I'm doing something positive and I'm laying positive vibe. And if that's all I could do here, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. She's like, Mm -hmm. wow. She's like, do you remember the last thing you said? I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, once I felt the tingling sensation in my neck, which knew that I had like five seconds before I was going to be out, uh, and I saw the thing coming over for the oxygen, I said, I love my Nancy because nothing's guaranteed. And if this was the last thing I was going to say, I wanted to be a declaration of love for the most important person in my life. And that's how I was going to roll. And that's how I rolled being very clear and very, very intentional of what was important to me and being declarative. Uh, and that's what I did every time. And that's what I'll do every, every time moving forward. You know, we have a choice, right? How are we yeah. going to engage things? How are we going to show up? And uh, that's how I chose to show up. And literally, literally within a minute and a half of me saying that and then putting me under, I literally died. You know, <laughs> it's gone yeah. for 15 seconds. I was gone, you know, like, and maybe they couldn't have brought me back, you know, uh, but I, and that's how I was going out. And uh, I'm thankful that they were able to bring me back and save me. Obviously, I got a lot of life I want to live, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's for thankful sure. for that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, and, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting road, but I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. Our company had its best year in history last year, our best year in company history, because that's how it was going to go. So if there's Mm -hmm. anybody out there listening to our conversation and we're talking about resilience, it starts with shifting your mindset. Yes, there's crap we all have to navigate, right? Personally, professionally, somebody on your team not vibing with you, you know, uh, it's not going the way you want, client traffic's down, sales are down. We all got shit that is happening. But it's not the shit, it's the shift, right? Like it's corny as it sounds, the F between the I and the T and let's shift it. And that that starts with our mindset, you know, and and, and it starts with who we're gonna choose to be, you know, and um, I'm not happy that I had to have cancer and deal with five surgeries and all that shit, but I'm thankful for the journey and the reminder for me of who I can be no matter what's coming my way, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So like, you say, I think what's like the most important thing, um, in, in, you know, what you, you're, you're saying you learned, I guess, or like what came through was like the fact that it's a choice, you know, that showing up is a choice and redirecting your anxiety was a choice and deciding to fist bump each and every surgeon and look them in the eye was a choice. And to make those choices where you can be in control of whatever situation, you know, you're in, I think is probably something that can be applied to every walk of, you know, situation or, or, you know, business, personal life, hardship, whatever. Right. I mean, uh, I think we're only as strong as our practices and those practices and habits 
must be things that get us conscious and bring about awareness of how we're seeing the playing field so that we can quickly shift and pivot and and not beat ourselves up if we were in a funky space. We're all human. We're going to get funky. It's not going to be fun sometimes. There's a lot to navigate. You know, um, uh, it's we live in a heavier world, I think, because of our technological uh, progression in life and because we have access to things so much more readily um, uh, there's so much more distraction and there's a lot less interconnectivity and, and, and connection and communication and a lot less human exchange going on than there ever has been in the world uh, uh, previous to us you know and I think it's so important for us to have practices that are healthy and that ground us and that bring about awareness so that we can continue to shift. And that's what I tell all my clients, pivot, shift, pivot, shift. Last week I was on with, with, with two clients mm-hmm. and one of them said the word lol. And then the next day, one of them said the word slump. And those are not words you want to say to a business coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and they had their asses handed to them for it. And I was like, lol, well, let's go look at your numbers. Oh, well, look at June, July, and August of last year volume to June, July, and August of this year. Oh, and you're up 70%, but you're in a lull. And then she was like, okay, fine, fine. You know, like, <laughs> I get it. You're right. You know, and then there was no slump. That client had did the same amount of sales, only $100 less in mm. total sales volume. January through July versus January of July last year. And she was out for 10 weeks because she had a baby. So everything we did had the business still execute and hit the same amount of volume without the leader who has the highest average ticket being in the building for 10 weeks of it. You know, so it's so easy for us to be managing our business based on what we feel is going on. And part of what makes our industry so beautiful is that we are intuitive and right brain and creative and feelings based and we're dialed in and connecting to people's energy. But the challenge is, is when we take that same Uh, feelings-based approach to running business and we feel our way around things as opposed to getting grounded in the data. And as a leader, we must adopt practices that bring about awareness. First of all, how am I feeling and relating? And let me check to see if I'm accurate or not by getting a hold of the data and pulling reports. So the one that said she was in a slump is actually a forest client. So I was like, go in, let's go into forest right now, pull up the data right now. Let's, let's see it. And then she pulled it up and sure and shit. Wow. Well, look, you know, your slump is not really a slump. It's what you were choosing to think, you know, and, you know, she got on a plane and flew out to an awards event last weekend that I got to be at. And she was given the award for being the number one business in all of North America. So I'm sharing that to anybody listening, because even the best can be managed by feelings and think that things aren't going the way they want. And it's all about pivoting, being aware, pivoting, looking at things, shifting where needed. doesn't matter what's going on. Aware of how I'm relating. Let me gather information first to validate my feelings or refute them and then pivot and act based on it. That's how we must be. And that's why having access to these types of conversations to listen to, to shift perspective. This is a habit you can develop, everybody. Keep listening to these podcasts. Keep utilizing your software, getting the data. Keep working with mentors and coaches like myself. Like 
I'm always listening to how people are creating their worlds. And that's why I busted both of them on it. And, you know, I do it in a very empowered way, but I bust them like, uh uh-uh, we're not thinking this way here. We're shifting that, you know, and this is what we're doing. We're, We're now in attack mode. And I think that's how we have to be, you know, um, one of my surgeons, you know, a week before the surgery, the main surgery, he, um, had one of those like, um, plastic bodies with all the little plastic organs that you can pull out. And, you know, he's like, let me show you what we're going to do. And he reaches and he grabs one of the organs and they all fall out. (laughs) And I was like, that better not be what happens next week. (laughs) We all had a laugh, right? You know, it was just really funny. But then he breaks out a CT scan that I had got on my heart in 2015. And he compares it to the CT scan of the cancer right? And we're looking at seven years. And he points out this minuscule looking dot that was the cancer seven years ago, beginning its path of wow. growing. In me. And then you look at the this bigger thing, which was still considered small, stage one bordering on stage two. Again, I'm so lucky we caught it when we did. Yeah. They said, had it traveled, you know, they still would have had to cut everything out of me, but then I would have been dealing with, you know, lymph node issues. And I, you know, that the type of cancer I has is once it goes to stage two, uh, there's, there's really no chance you're going to have, and you don't show symptoms until stage four. And you literally, you got months. And from when I was diagnosed to so now, thank God for your hernia. <laughs> thank God for my hernia. And I listened to my body. That's another yeah. lesson from this. Uh, I can border on hypochondria at times, but <laughs> I, 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 listen, I, I can, drives my wife nuts, but I listened to my body and I was like, this doesn't feel right. I got to go get it checked. And I can't tell you how many people just don't go for regular checkups and to get things looked at. Mm-hmm. Well, either that or actually also get um, dismissed. They'll feel something, get dismissed and then yes. be like, okay, sure. The expert knows better. But like, I think, I think that like, we know deep down physically yes. how how we're feeling. Yeah. So I think it's so important that you go get checked because if I wouldn't have done that and I would have thought that I was just dealing with, uh, you know, a, a muscle pull, Mm -hmm. then this cancer would have continued to grow in me until it was out of control. And they would have said by the, by the math that January, February of of this year, I would have been dead, you know, and it's just crazy to even think of that, you know, and thank God I listened and I had to go through the journey I went on and I, I faced it to the best of my faculties and abilities. Uh, you know, but uh, being resilient also means being humble and listening and there's nothing wrong. And I think we create fear. You know, we're, we're afraid of things and we don't want to face things. And uh, that's more detrimental to, in my opinion, than actually going through the crucible and facing things because we only live once and life is truly miraculous in so many ways. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I mean, there's there's so many things that could go on that could have been reasons why you and I aren't even on this podcast today. You know, and I think, you know, our ego minds tell us that, you know, we're in control when, you know, we're really, there's a lot of things that are outside of our control. Yeah. Gets back to what are we in control of? Ourselves, our perspective, the actions that we take. You know, so if there's anything that I think you and I, Zoe, were committed that people get out of this conversation is that, you know, through these stories and through these things that we've all navigated, um, you know, the most critical thing is it's how we relate to and think about things and adopting practices that get us present to it every day so it can shift and shift and shift all the time. Uh, you know, it's just a more empowered way to live life. Uh, 
You'll be able to face things with dignity and more self-worth and respect and empowerment with your feet on the ground. And you'll have a lot more happier and much more rewarding and fulfilling life no matter what's going on. And I think all of us deserve that. And I think the last perspective I'll give to those of us, at least here in North America, um, you know, when you think about recession and all the stuff we're having to navigate, if you have a, and I heard this before and it was really powerful. I heard somebody said, uh, Steve, do you have a, a checking account? Yes. Do you have a bed to sleep in at night? Yes. You're in the top 1% of the world's population. Wow. And you think about it that way, how many people are still sleeping on the ground around the world and don't have access to clean running water? Yeah. So uh, whatever we're dealing with, you know, uh, uh, just get perspective and think about what other people are going through. We're a lot stronger than we think. We're a bunch of resilient badasses if we so choose. Surround yourself with those type of people. Shift out of relationships that don't serve you with those that choose to stay stuck and be driven by emotion and bring about anxiety and negativity because it'll just wear you down and it'll just take you down for the count. Mm -hmm. You know, so be really smart and wise and, and continue to pivot every day. And I think something that you've definitely alluded to throughout the conversation, but that we haven't really focused on is resiliency can be a lot of things, obviously, to a lot of different people. It can be, you know, not about avoiding failure, but learning from it. It can be all these different things. But I think that what resiliency can really also be is vulnerability and like seeking support when needed and not being afraid to do that because yeah. there is so much support out there. And I'm sure that like, you know, from what I, from what you were saying, you know, the, the, the four close friends, I'm sure you got a whole lot of support just through, you know, yeah. chatting on the phone. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You know, and one of them is facing their own cancer battle. And, you know, next week, Nancy and I are, are inconveniencing ourselves uh, physically, but uh, utterly joyously uh, going for 48 hours to Guatemala City with him because we were supposed to hang out. And he's like, hey, I got these $127 round trip tickets to Guatemala City. <laughs> Let's go. Nancy's, that's her heritage. Nancy was an immediate yes. Yeah. And then we both looked at each other and said, you know what? He's in the battle. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with him. And he's living and he's living fully. So let's go for 48 hours. And this is before a nine day work trip we're about to be going on. Mm. So you know what we're doing? We dropped everything. I mo We moved everything. We're getting inconvenienced and we're gonna go live for 48 fun hours with our friend and make an experience happen and just move mountains to bring joy into his world for who he's been always as my friend and for who he was during my battle. It's the least we can do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that's the way to live. Yeah. Right. You know, like when opportunities show up, embrace them no matter what you got to go through to make it happen. That's for sure. Do you feel like you were always like that? Or has it like, has it just like, like very much like stemmed from that experience? Um, particularly this, yes, I would say for me. Yeah. Uh, but in certain ways, you know, I, I feel like I've, you know, I, I've always moved things out of my way when there's been need. Mm. This was moving things out of my way to, I'm, I'm going to go have fun, <laughs> you know, it's going to be cool and all, but I'm still doing it, you know, in the back of my mind, knowing, you know, how important it is to go have an experience with somebody who's on their road still, you know, yeah. and was there for me when I was on mine, you know, and that's, that's the most important reason why I was a yes, yeah. you know, fun aside and adventurous. <laughs> 
cool and all, but yeah. really the, you know, I'm going to make a memory with somebody who's important to me. And that's the biggie for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk just like briefly about recessions force. We've been saying this, like it forces people, businesses, governments to, mm -hmm. to reassess strategies, to pivot, to shift, um, to seek new opportunities. Like what, talk to me about like what potential for innovation and growth you see in the beauty industry currently as we could, you know, should we face a recession next year, for instance? Because obviously that's going to affect consumer confidence, credit, all that kind of stuff. Like what are some of the, 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 the innovation and growth things that you really, really see as opportunities there for people to just grasp on straight away even? Um, the ability to continue to leverage technology as a resource, um, knowing everything there is to know about your software, getting your data and your finances organized. That's what I teach as a business coach with my mm -hmm. two-day finance workshops and my financial fitness book um, uh, and what you guys offer with all of the technological advancement that that you provide um, having an online store I know Forrest provides an online store if you're not engaged in getting your online store up and running let's get after that uh, because that will be a uh, a, a really uh, great way to innovate and pivot and provide another means by which you can drive cash flow um, I think another opportunity uh, is uh, AI, and I, I don't know enough about it. I'm, an, I'm going to a conference in November to study more of it. Mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, but being just, just getting, uh, getting more knowledge and understanding of what is out there that can help us uh, position our business. Uh, and uh, again, I just think it boils down to uh, staying in your lane and focusing on what you control and knowing what you're great at. I think um, if you have something that you really specialize in and that you're passionate about, continue to drive and embed and strengthen that with your guests. Mm. Because the more that's embedded in their psychology, the more they're going to uh, they're going to continue to see it as an utter necessity that they will not do without no matter what economically is going on. So that to me is absolutely critical. If you specialize in some type of skincare treatment that's more advanced than a standard facial, then continue to use every apparatus around you uh, to market that, to language that, to communicate and convey that, and to educate people in the treatment room and outside of it and outside your four walls, digitally on social media, through all of your platforms, communicate it. If you are a color specialist, do the same thing. If you're the best barber in your area and you do some badass techniques, continue to embed that. Continue to embed that in the thinking because your mm -hmm. brand, where does it exist? Between two ears for yeah. every consumer out there. That's where your brand exists. So. You're leveraging technology and resources and in continuing to embed that you are absolutely vital no matter what's going on to people. That, that's, to me, that's what people should be dialing in. And um, focus on getting your finances in order so, so you you know exactly what your what your what your break even and profit point needs to be, so you can continue to attack that, so you can get more cash back into your hands and have more operating liquidity. So, should things 
uh, go down volume-wise, you've got cash flow to support you. We're going into the holiday season. Raise your prices. Mark up your retail. Drive more cash flow. Do it this time of year because right now consumers are going psychologically. We're slowly migrating into spending more money. Halloween festivities, Thanksgiving festivities, mm -hmm. and holiday festivities. So now is the time to strike the those measures and create more positive cash flow for your business. Do those types of things. Um, I I think that um, those things right there really will help a business strengthen itself uh, for whatever road it has to face. Um, and when you're managing your money, I'm going to speak to any of those independent owners or if you're a technician, stylist, whatever, and you're listening to this, begin to adopt these three habits. One, save your tips. Don't spend them. Two, if you get retail commission, mm -hmm. save it. Don't spend it. Three, if you add on an additional treatment or service that was not on the books, whatever your pay is for that, save it. Because it wasn't expected, you weren't planning for it anyways, and you made the extra cash. Save it. So if you can learn to live off of what's on your books. It might take you a couple of months because you're tightening the screws, but yeah. once you get into that rhythm and you start saving your tips, that's 20% of what you're generating, right? You do 100K, that's usually an extra 20 grand in tip, right? That's 20 grand right there. You know, you're saving your retail commission. You do 100 grand, you get 10%, that's 10,000, that's 30,000 right there, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're adding on and you know additional treatments, that's thousands more dollars right there. Get in the habit of starting to save those three things and you will be amazed at what's going to happen to your financial life, everyone. Steve, this has been absolutely, I, you know, when you, you listen to an episode and you're like, okay, what are the key kind of like takeaways and learnings that you can get sure. from this? I feel like every sentence you had one of those, which like. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Zoe. Really do. And honestly, like, I, like I have got so much love for you, Steve. Like, I, I really, really appreciate every single conversation that we have. You know, every interaction. I'm so grateful that we are able to have this conversation today. That you're here to have this conversation, um, also. And and I obviously like I don't want to cut things super short to the point where like we don't talk about what's coming because I know that you have. A lot of upcoming great things, um, including a book that's coming out in the fall, I believe. Uh, yeah, fall, early of next year. I'm a little bit behind my eight ball on it. Uh, but I, yes, I do have a book coming out. Uh, it's called The Service Cycle. Uh, all, and, and we're going through all the different touch points that make or break uh, client retention and increased profit. So I'm working on that. I can't wait to get that launched. And once I do, I'll definitely let you know, Zoe. I'll get a copy in your hands. Um, you know, so you can check it out. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, you can follow me on social salon coach S J G, which are my initials, Stephen James Gomez to stay connected. Uh, but we're out there making it happen. Uh, but stay connected. We're here to support you that, you know, we're here to help. And, um, uh, anybody in, you know, the forest network that's listening to this, uh, if you haven't gotten your ticket yet for, uh, the, 
Salon Owner Summit in January. You just have to get yourself there. What a great way to start off your year. I had the honor of presenting in 2019. We went last year as guests, uh, and it was just really great to be there and network and see clients and just be there. It's such a world-class event. Forest cares so much about not only rolling out the red carpet for you, but bringing in some of the most cutting-edge presenters from in and outside of the industry. Some of my dear friends are going to be there this year, Gino Stampora, Nina yes. Tulio. And of course, Zoe is going to be presenting. I'm so excited. I think a lot of what you're going to present kind of mirrors some of what we talked about, different yeah. journey and things that you've had to navigate, but a lot of the same mindset and thinking. So um, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you, you know, you guys just need to get there and surround yourself with like-hearted and like-minded people and uh, hear my friend just hit home runs on your behalf. Uh, you know, there's just so much you're going to get out of it. So make sure you get your tickets, everybody. And if I can be there I will I think I have a gig I have to do the same weekend but right. if not I might have to go over because you guys have spoiled me and traumatized me on how good the Guinness is <laughs> you know and now I fall in love with and traumatized. Yes, spoiled and traumatized yes 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 and I love Keeling now we did that tour last year it was oh, really great oh yeah anyways yeah. So, Teeling's a good anyways, one for sure I really appreciate your time Zoe as always thanks for having me Thank you. Thank you for joining me as well. And thanks for, you know, always being a, a proud supporter. You know, I was telling you off air earlier since day one. I mean, we met, I think my, it might have been like at the summit, literally. Um, yeah, it was. It was outside the Guinness uh, factory. Yeah. You were giving me a tour. Not a bad thing to, have to do, right? <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> yeah, it was you and Colin. And then you walked Nancy and I, my wife, to the welcome party afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm really, really grateful for our friendship, like I said, and really grateful for your time. Amen. I hope you have the most amazing, fun 48-hour trip to Guatemala City. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yes. thank you so much once again. If anyone listening, you want to reach out to Steve, please feel free to do so. Social media, um, you know, through the, the website as well. He's got plenty, plenty of resources on the website as well. So please feel free to check those out. And there's also some episodes of Forest FM that we've recorded together, they're still out there, still very relevant. Um, they're very data driven as well, as always. So, you know, something to something to keep you going after this episode. Awesome. Thanks, Zoe. I always feel very grateful for guests like Steve who are willing to share their story and lessons learned from trying times. Having people openly share like Steve just did is something I never, ever expect, but will always hold space for. And I think it echoes what Forrest stands for from a business standpoint and our values. Because at the end of the day, you don't need new software. You need more time, freedom from the endless admin. You need more revenue to reach your potential. You need loyal clients, more of them and fewer no-shows. You need a dream team working together with precision and purpose. You need one easy-to-use system that does it all. You don't need new software. You need a growth partner. And we're committed to joining you on your journey because together we grow. And we'd love for you to join the 10,000 and counting owners worldwide who've trusted Forrest at the heart of their business every day for the past 20 years. Born on the salon floor and built for and by hair and beauty professionals like you, Forrest is your marketing, your reporting, your reputation management, your goals, your payments, your knowledge sharing, your community, your growth partner from here to your full potential. And thanks for listening to Forrest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
As always, you can head over to forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show and check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.